What's up, guys? Mitch from RespectMyRegion.com, back with another episode of the North American Weed Tour podcast. Today, I'm joined by a special guest, Eric from Cathartic Output and Cathartic Cannabis out in Illinois. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for uh, having me on. Um, Respect My Region's been blowing up recently, so you know it's a huge honor to be here. Hell yeah, hell yeah, man. And, and we're, we're honored to have you here to talk about, you know, kind of cannabis in your market and a couple unique things that I don't know if our listeners or viewers are, are, are privy to. And I know a couple of them uh, I don't know much about, so I'm excited to learn about. So you know, I'd like to get, you know, kind of started generally. I, I like to kick these off with just kind of your history around the plant of cannabis and how it's kind of pertained to your to your journey of, of stepping into this this now blossoming industry. Yeah, definitely. So. I guess we'll go back, you know, 10, 12 years. Um, I started, you know, using the plant back in high school. Um, and, you know, like any high schooler that's not that great at covering their tracks, you know, I got in a little bit of trouble. Um, and I felt like I was, you know, uh, unfairly judged um, for using um cannabis to you know self-medicate and you know have a good time so that kind of drove me to be the the entrepreneur that i am um so i initially got my master's in accountancy and my um, cpa so i'm a certified public accountant um and so my first three years out of college i worked at a public accounting firm um in this department called audit so i was running audits on manufacturing businesses um with revenue streams up to a billion dollars um and from there i wanted to you know transition my career um to cannabis and so i have a, a multiple different like things that i've been working towards um, at this point. So in addition to, you know, my professional career as a CPA, um, I also recorded music um, and I go under the name Cathartic Output. And in 2018, I got my first um, EP to release through um, this platform called Symphonic Distribution. And what they do, that they essentially work with um, independent artists and get all of their um, streaming music uploaded to all the the major streaming platforms. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I was listed on like iTunes, Spotify, um, Deezer, essentially every platform out there. You can Google Cathartic Output, and they're able to get me listed onto. The streaming platforms so this was kind of like my first surge of like excitement um because you know it seems like pretty credible that you're listed up with uh you know all the major artists um and it did incredible things for like my seo um so a very searchable and i just wanted to keep you know pushing out music and building up that brand and then simultaneously i was also working um on this grow methodology called aquaponics so 
aquaponics has been around for thousands of years. Um, the Romans, the Aztecs, they all used this method of cultivation, which essentially is taking the, the waste product of, from fish and using it towards fertilizer to uptake into their crops and um, have like a full cycle of nitrogen um, where you're receiving outputs from not only the fish that you're feeding, but your plants as a crop as well. So you get two outputs for one input, mm -hmm. um, which is what really like interested me in the topic of aquaponics. So I've been doing my own system at home um, since roughly around the same time as I started cathartic output. Um, initially, I wasn't growing cannabis with the aquaponics, but um, January 1st, 2020, everything changed here in Illinois um, because uh, medical grow was now allowed um, of cannabis. So having my medical card at the time, you know, I kind of jumped in head first to try to, I've never grown cannabis before, um, but I took uh, this three-week workshop from a company. I think it was like their first workshop ever because it was the first time cannabis has been legal and it was mm -hmm. in January of 2020. Um, but yeah, I learned how to grow cannabis, um, just the basics, nothing to do with aquaponics. The, the class was completely based on a soil grow, but it had a lot of the, the fundamentals of growing cannabis that I didn't know before. And um, I was able to then, along with a bunch of other research and forums online, kind of merge my two knowledge bases of aquaponics and growing cannabis. And then I created this, um, it's a 10 gallon tank system. So I didn't create the, the aquaponics system. It's a system called Aquasprouts. It's kind of marketed towards like educational, um, you know, in classroom, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's not like uh, grow your own cannabis, um, you know, system, but I was able to take it and kind of transform it into my own to be able to grow um, with just a two by two by two canopy space. Um, I can turn about a quarter pound every three months okay. um, out of the system. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter how many plants I have in there. It's mainly uh, like just the canopy space in general um, that kind of dictate dictates the the limitations of what my yield is um and you know that's where where i am um so i mean i got a lot of things moving in the cannabis industry trying to just build as much equity as i can um you know in many different places planting as many seeds as i can because i know this industry is going to blow up trying to you know network get out there do everything I can. Absolutely. And, and, you know, aquaponics is something that was one of the things, you know, in, in, in doing some research on you and that's obviously something that's big on your, your website, there's a little bit of education, um, 
I even saw that diagram of kind of showing hydroponics versus that. I'm obviously very familiar with hydroponics. I think anybody in, in cannabis is, or even fans of, you know, West Coast music is familiar with the, the term hydro or hydroponics, you know, at least in terms of, uh, you know, Dr. Dre and that, that era of music. Um, some people that are in the industry are familiar of hydroponics as the actual system that it's used to grow. Um, but I thought it was really unique because it, it showed it was, I believe you showed the diagram, the example is kind of showing it's like a closed loop system, right? Like everything, like you're saying, kind of the, the output of one thing is an input for the next thing. And it's kind of every, like it's, you're building this little micro ecosystem, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly, um, you know, how I would explain it. Um, and you do, as you compare it to hydro, um, I've, I've personally never done like pure hydro. Um, but from my understanding is like, it's such a delicate system that people can like completely trash an entire grow under like one pH spike or mm. drop. Um, so one of the benefits to aquaponics over hydro is not only is it all organically sourced, um, but you have a stable system where you're not gonna like experience those wide fluctuations in your specs um, because it is essentially just replicating nature and the nitrogen cycle. And as long as you're not putting in a bunch of, you know, chemicals or um, inorganic things that shouldn't be within that cycle, um, you're not going to experience the, the risk of complete crop failure um, like you would with hydro, but yet you still benefit from that like rapid root growth and not having the the roots restricted mm -hmm. by the soil. Um, there's kind of just like this unlimited space for them to grow and thrive. And do you see that as a viable way to grow at scale or is that more of like a home grow and like craft grow model? So I do think that it's definitely scalable. I mean, I'm following people online um, that are doing this at scale. I think I might actually have the smallest um, system out there that's growing cannabis. Um, and honestly, I take a lot of pride in that because I think like that's kind of like my niche yeah. um, is the, and that's the reason that I'm doing this is because I legitimately don't have the room for a tent because mm -hmm. um, I live in Chicago. I live in an apartment, um, you know, not a ton of space for extracurricular activities. Um, but I did have a fish tank. So like I just had to build vertically on top of my fish tank um, to be able to to grow. And it's been a, a pretty awesome journey. Um, I've you know, learned a lot along the way, had several failures, had a lot of successes. Um, but now I'm trying to kind of like take that one step further and like teach people how to replicate this method. Um, because I have put in five years of R&D into getting this aquaponic system, um, you know, fully cycled and just abundant full of microorganisms along with there are certain things that you have to do to treat the water to keep it um, healthy for the fish but also have the right nutrients for the plant because um, 
you won't get every single macro and micronutrient mm -hmm. from just fish feed. Um, so there are some supplements that I've found through trial and error that you have to, um, like, there's really no other way to, to figure it out at this point because everything's just, there's information out there, but you have to search for it. You have to go through forums. You have to really problem solve your own issues. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's kind of how it is just growing cannabis in general, I'm sure, mm -hmm. but uh, maybe more so with aquaponics having like a whole nother nuance to it. Absolutely. You know, that's why I constantly hear people in the cultivation space say that it is um, growing cannabis is a constant, a, a never ending uh, identifying problems and then isolating the problem and then figuring out the solution. You know, I, I constantly hear that from, from cultivators that that's just no matter what cultivation method you're going, it's, it's not a matter, a matter of if issues will happen, it's when, and being able to isolate and identify, especially when you're growing to scale, it's, you know, the isolation is, is super important. Um, but for you guys out there in Illinois, you know, home grow is, you know, I, I live in the Washington market where home grow is not allowed unless you're a medical card uh, holder. And Washington's kind of done a decent job. I know some people out there will disagree with me, but I'll say they've done a decent job. And I'm not saying for better or for worse, but eradicating the medical market and kind of pushing everyone to recreational or adult use. Um, but for you guys in Illinois, home grow has been something that the more I talk to people out there, it seems just widely embraced, widely talked about. People are really seeking that. And then I know the way the industry was rolled out without craft licenses, that there is for the connoisseurs, there's that need of craft cannabis. And I've spoke to many people who say the only way to get craft cannabis is either grow your own or know another grower. So what is kind of your take on the importance of home grow cultivation pertaining to the, to the, the Illinois market? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it, the dispensaries are complete ripoffs, um, especially for recreational users, because not only is it street prices plus tax, um, so people are paying like 90 to $100 an eighth out here. Um, so as you, I'm sure you assume, um, people are searching for that alternative, whether it be their old guy which i mean i'm not one to judge um because you know i've certainly uh you know resorted to that <laughs> but um there are risks with you know black market cannabis um so definitely know your sources um but if you can you know get your medical card and grow your own it's just so much more rewarding to you know be able to smoke your own product and provide that product to other people for free like people are so like gracious when you just give them free weed mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um that's like kind of like one of my favorite parts about this whole venture i mean i'm trying to do everything above board so um full disclosures nothing's for sale um but i am trying to build out a brand within this craft grow space that while the barriers of entry to the legal market are so high that, you know, it's not really a feasible venture for me. There are so many people that put all their eggs into grabbing one of these craft grow licenses and um, the lottery was just 
not the greatest. It was pretty rigged. Um, basically, you could just buy as many entries into the lottery as you can. Um, and I think one ticket was like 25K. So, you know, for somebody like me, that's like everything. <laughs> um, and then you have all the MSOs that that's nothing. And they could buy 10 entrances to the lottery. Um, so, I mean, it's no no surprise that the the large companies are the ones that came out on top of the craft grow lottery and there's still another round of uh, objections that i think legal is currently going through there might be a whole nother lottery as a result of the two lotteries that have just been poorly implemented by the state um they promise social equity um and they're it seemed legitimate at first, but so in Illinois, to be a social equity applicant, it's it's kind of hilarious. So you one have to live in a, a low income area or you have to have an infraction on your record. So those both sound like pretty good, you know, rules. But then also if you're a family member of somebody that lives in a uh, low income area or has an infraction on your record, then you're also a social equity applicant. So that just opens the door to like everybody that has a crazy brother, not even crazy brother, but like that, I don't know, uh, that was not the right word, but like anyone that right. lives in the wrong, they're the right area to, be one of these applicants or has an infraction from college or something. Um, I mean, that's, that's obscene to me. Like there's so many people that fall into that bucket that shouldn't be a social. Yeah. Applicant. There's like, you said the college, right? Like how many college <laughs> students get arrested for that? You know, and you look at, you know, oh, the privileged level of people that go to college, you know, I went to college, right. But it's, and I have a weed charge from college and I can tell you from just my standpoint, I should not be the, you know, I should not be a candidate for anything social equity, right? Like I do not right. fit, fit the mold for that. And so I think that's a very fair assessment. Yep. So as of now, not much is changing in terms of prices, product qualities, hit or miss. Um, there are definitely some good cultivators out there. Um, but then again, they're working on such a mass scale that mold has been slipping through the cracks. Um, multiple occasions, the products have been recalled um, because of mold and other impurities. And that's going to happen, but it's the mainly the response of all these MSOs that they don't seem like that they need to be held accountable hmm. to those infractions. Then they're not recalling everything that they should be um so quite frankly i don't totally trust dispensary weed any more than i do you know from the guy that i've been picking up before lead was legal so yeah and that's and that's something you know you 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 know, you mentioned that a lot of legal legal prices are, are very similar street prices, but they also have tax on top of it. And it's very common, like, say, in the state of California, you know, 
the majority of stuff sold at dispensaries is marked up like 3x. I mean, sometimes it's more, sometimes it's a little less. That's just general, especially when you look at most states, you know, the, the state is taking about 40% of that to taxes. So a store buys something, 3x is it, and then they lose, you know, half of that end fund of what they sell to a consumer. But as opposed to like, you know, California, like you could get an eighth of really top shelf bud at the dispensary for you know, $85, $90 out the door for the best of the best, that same quality level and strain, you know, on the black market where California black market is pretty uh, established, you know, you could get that same eighth for 35, 40, basically buy for wholesale, whatever they sold it to the store from to get yeah. it outside of the market. And it's unique, like in Washington, where I live, top shelf cannabis is like 45 to 55, which is pretty, pretty reasonable, you know, with tax out the door, that's your final price. And so, you know, in markets like that in Washington, the black market isn't as prevalent or out, we won't even say the black market, but outside of the regulated market isn't as prevalent because the cost, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's affordable to the end consumer. And I think a lot of these states through their structure and their regulation, you know, and their greediness for taxes, they increase this market where you price it at a certain amount, you're going to keep the home grower, the black market alive and thriving. If you loosen up that, that tax greed and reg regulation, you make it a little bit more affordable for the people and people you, you give people no reason to shop outside of the regulated market, right? When pricing and quality is, is all stabilized. So we definitely, we've been watching you guys in Illinois and, and are looking forward to that maturity of you guys getting a little bit more quality and better prices, but it definitely seems like, you know, homegrown is prevalent. And so one, you know, one of the other things I want to ask is with homegrown being so prevalent in your state, there also seems to be quite a bit of an online community, which I'm sure you're a part of, in just sharing, sharing like people's different homegrown, like you said, try, you know, giving it away, people trying it, people comparing it, people reviewing it, um, and just sharing tips and, and secrets. So how important is community, uh, whether it's just online or, or even an online version of your localized community, but how important is community in advancing homegrown? Oh, it's, I mean, super important. I mean, not only is it like my main source of grow knowledge and um, you know troubleshooting when I do run into issues, but it's it's also just like a great place to you know praise the the cultivators that are doing their thing, um, call out the ones that aren't, um, yeah, provide awareness to. Um, just the rest of the community of what you've experienced, what you should avoid, what um, what products you think are good, and also support like social equity um, because a lot of these uh, MSOs currently they're talking and talk, but they they don't really have like a ton of action. Um, I mean they'll shell out some money for social equity. Um, but that seems to be like the extent that um, of their propaganda, you know, they, they want you to think that they're, they're in it for everybody, but yet they lobby against home grow. So mm -hmm. like, are you really for social equity if you're making all your customers pay a hundred dollars an eighth? Probably not. Yeah, and 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 that, that's an important 
point that I don't think a lot of people get, like I was telling you before we got on air, you know, Washington state, we were they're trying to figure out social equity, like six years into legalization, you know, we don't have that. We don't have home grow. Um, but home grow is a form of social equity, right? Like cannabis is the, the ability to get in this industry requires so much capital and access to capital and non-traditional capital because you can't go to a bank and get a loan even if you have a bulletproof business plan um and so that prices out you know when you look at social equity you're talking about providing opportunities for those at disadvantaged communities if you're from a disadvantaged community you do not have you likely don't have capital access to capital or access to education on how to receive capital and so i want to get into cannabis if you don't have any of that there is no way to really get your foot in the door besides just being an employee somewhere, which is great to get information and knowledge, but doesn't give you the ability to really take ownership and, and, and of your knowledge. And also doesn't give you an ability to stack up capital to get into this industry. But I say all that to say that homegrown allows people to get into this space, build expertise and really take control of what they learn at their own pace, right? At a very, very low startup cost. So what, what would you advise? I mean, I know you're growing in a very specific way, but when it comes to home growth, what is kind of the the startup capital on on average or what, what do you think is an estimate of what someone would need to, to get started with, with a home grow system? I mean, the, the least amount of investment that you can make um, would be a pot, some, uh, you know, pH neutral soil, and some autoflower seeds, you know, you can grow those out your window. You might not get the the tightest nugs or, you know, the best product, but you will experience the process um, from start to finish of growing cannabis and all the the nutrients and like everything's there. So like, legitimately, there's no barriers to growing cannabis um, financially other than whatever an auto flower seed will cost you. Oh yeah, 20 to 50 bucks or something for a pot, some dirt, dirt, and a couple <laughs> seeds. Um, and then from there, I mean, personally, I, I'm not that big of a fan of auto flower seeds. I don't think their their growth is all that robust. But um, I do get, you know, a lot of satisfaction out of starting them for people and giving them out like in the springtime um, so people can experience their their first grow and then I'll kind of like help them along the way. Um, if they have questions, um, they'll, you know, shoot me a text. Um, so that's kind of what I've been um, kind of focusing my brand on. And now I'm moving towards trying to find actually a couple participants that want to uh, replicate my aquaponics systems. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, once I have, some concrete material um maybe roll out like an actual like product that um i bring to market um but honestly i don't suggest um jumping into growing cannabis for the first time with aquaponics <laughs> um, i was doing it aquaponics for two and a half years before i fully jumped into aquaponic cannabis Oh, so you're um, just doing it with other plants. Yeah. Um, so that's how I kind of started off. So I didn't like just fully jump into both. Honestly, if you wanted to get into growing cannabis, I would suggest growing autoflowers first. If you 
have the space. A tent is an awesome um, asset to have. Um, and honestly, I wish I could have, you know, the space to, to grow a, a tent plant as well. Um, but I don't. So I'm working with uh, all the resources that I have. And I think if people are also limited by space as well, um, there are a lot of different workarounds that I can help them out with and, um, you know, get them to experience their first cannabis grow. It's just super exciting to see people um, get that enjoyment out of their first harvest. Absolutely. So, so I, need, I need to work out, but I grew, I grew one plant in my front yard. I live in Seattle, so I don't have the best uh, sunlight and we're not supposed to grow. So I didn't grow. I may have grown in my yard. Um, just one plant. I, I, I'm very high level connoisseur. So I, I, I still have the, my, my harvest in a Tupperware somewhere, but it's not up to my quality level <laughs> to consume. So maybe, I'll, maybe I'll bake with it, but that's, you know, one of the big talks in Washington, where we don't have home grow is the people lobbying to stop it is thinking obviously people won't go to retail i spent a lot of money at retail i've even grown at home and i did not slow down my my spending at retail but <laughs> to, to to move away from cannabis a little bit to music well we'll tie, tie them both in so obviously you know part of your brand and, and your interest is both in music and cannabis and respect my region that is you know, we are, we, that is what we are, music and cannabis, man. That is, that is our language. Um, so how do you see, you know, music and cannabis intersect? Like, how do they intersect for you? I mean, initially I just love smoking weed and listening to music. Um, so that's kind of the first intersection point. And then, um, also playing music, um, while intoxicated, I actually, I feel like it does impair my um, playing abilities a little bit. Um, so I don't know what to what takeaway there is from that, but I do uh, like when I'm recording, I I try to keep uh, the smoke minimal. I actually have a little more success with uh, microdosing, um, you know, just enough um, to to really make all the connections. But anyways, um, as my brand goes, it's really just such an awesome platform um, that you can have online, like a whole online persona. You know, I have a, a verified Facebook page because uh, all my music is listed on all the, the streaming platforms. And then I've been able to bring in cannabis with my Facebook page. I'm, not sure why I haven't been deleted yet, but um, yeah, so I've been able to, you know, just drive a lot of traffic with my music, both to my music and from my music mm. to my cannabis page because people that like music are often, you know, interested in cannabis as well um, and vice versa. So as a brand like i see all these like mainstream artists burner snoop dog i mean a lot of rappers right now are currently doing their music but then they also have like a cannabis brand on the side um and while i don't have the capital to like fully roll out uh, a cannabis brand that's like licensed on uh and 
can be sold through dispensaries. I still have, you know, a lot of things to share, a lot of value adds that I can bring to people to build a brand kind of in a roundabout way outside of your, your standardized market. Um, yeah. And, and then also the traffic to, for my listeners and my music, that's like a source of monetization. Um, so that's kind of like my end goal while I'm not like making any profit currently on the cannabis, I am bringing in, um, monetized revenue through my, my streaming. Um, so that's like another angle that I have. And the, and the mixture of the two, I mean, is so important, I think, because there's a lot of people, obviously, like I said, our platform is very heavily in music and cannabis. We started in music. My roots are in music um, creation and just involved in different levels of the industry. And I think that's an important thing, even tying back into social equity. A, a lot of people in the music space um, really like are curious, how do I get into cannabis? You know, a common thing is how do I get my own strain? How do I get my own product? And uh, what a lot of people don't understand, A, it's, it's very difficult as you've explained, you know, it's very difficult to break into the legal industry, but also even if you do break into it, you know, the margins on these products are, are very small. It's much like streaming, you know, streaming is a, is a low margin game. You have to get a lot of streams to have a, a, a source of revenue. Cannabis is the same thing. Even though that eighth at the store is 60, 70 bucks. If you were to be a brand partnered with it, there's only a couple dollars on that, on that $60 purchase that could be, if you negotiate well allocated to you. And so it is still a low margin thing, but I think a lot of what you're saying, right, is this industry is big right now, but it's gonna continue to get bigger and just carving out a brand and a connection into it now is an investment that's like you're saying, it's not necessarily paying off on the cannabis side now, but the future is the opportunity is there. And I think that's a big takeaway that anyone involved in music can have is that no matter the barriers of entry, you can start integrating and aligning yourself with this industry and position yourself to be a part of this boom. Where do you kind of envision the future of cannabis, sorry, legal cannabis and music? I mean, I think it's just going to kind of continue on the course that it has kind of blown up over the past year or two um, with all these like music artists. Justin Bieber now has mm -hmm. uh, a cannabis line. So I feel like the more that, you know, mainstream artists, but also just celebrities in general, um, they want to build out their personal brand and cannabis is just a sexy way to monetize um, their brand because that's one of like a, a celebrity's biggest asset is their following. Mm -hmm. Um and in or they're always going to find ways to market products using that brand. And right now, cannabis just seems like the hot thing to be um, using that that platform for. Um, so I definitely expect uh, we'll see be seeing a lot more um, from mainstream artists. Um, and I guess the legal industry just in general, I don't see it coming, you know, on a federal level anytime soon, um, as much as people um, that are hyping it seem to, to think. I think um, it's going to stay at the state level for at least until 
Biden's out of office. He's not going to do shit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think like once everything's like federally legal, you're going to be seeing a whole lot more of it because there's like so many um, celebrities that don't want their name tarnished, quote unquote, by the illegality of it. I mean, like Elon Musk takes one hit on Joe Rogan's podcast and Tesla tanks like 10%. So, <laughs> I mean, it has its pros and cons. It's just a matter of what the the celebrity or the artist wants their brand to be um, represented by. Yeah, the stigma has a long ways to go, but there's definitely some game in there, you know, um, you know, you, you mentioned that a celebrity's biggest asset is their audience. And I think, or following, you know, I think for people out there, again, there's a lot of people that follow us that are, uh, music creatives. That's definitely a big takeaway to take away. Um, you know, in this day and age with record deals, you don't make a ton of money off of, off of music. Streaming isn't not necessarily the best way to, to make music, but if you're able to, to captivate an audience, you get monetized off your music, but you're also able to, to tour, sell merch, do these product integrations. That audience is such an asset. Even if it's small, you can leverage that audience to build more audience or to monetize, or as your audience grows, it opens up new monetization uh, avenues. So that's just a big takeaway for me. But one of the things I also want to ask is, um, with cathartic output is what genre do you classify? You know, I kind of, I was browsing on your Spotify definitely get, uh, you know, I, I had a hard time penciling because one of the songs on there sounded like there was like a, a you know, like a rapper on there. It sounded, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, but yeah. stuff was just inter, in, in, instrumental. Um, definitely uh, multiple instruments, some guitar, I, you get some rock vibes, a little bit of hip hop. So where, where do you kind of, do you, do you box yourself in or do you like, I, I don't subscribe to the box mentality? I mean, I don't know. Google has me classified as new era instrumental. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't really have uh, uh, something that I like identify as, um, you know, the, the recording wise, the, I'm a guitarist, everything okay. else I compose just based on a MIDI keyboard um, and some drum loops that I, I make a lot of edits to the, the drum loops so they mm -hmm. fall right onto the the, the grid. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of like I sit down. I don't have anything written out. I just kind of record and play it by ear, quite literally. Um, so yeah, I don't think I can really like, I don't know sum it all up in a single genre it's just what are kinda, you well, what kind of music are you inspired by then uh, so my like learning the guitar it was a lot of classic rock um you know zeppelin the beatles um van halen um things like that um but then now I mainly listen to like hip hop and R&B with a little bit of rock. So it's kind of like a, a merge between um, those two worlds. And so it's, it's pretty unique. Um, and then another, I guess, kind of aspect to that is when I was first um, kind of pushing this music out, I was like trying to think like, what is my target audience here? So 
I had this idea that I was going to try to like market my music to influencers to use on their social media posts. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was long before like Instagram, TikTok had music like integrated onto their platform. Um, so there was like a couple accounts um, that I actually successfully got onto their page um, with my music on there and they got like 50,000 views on this video. Um, I wasn't monetizing anything on it. It was purely just like to provide value to this brand um, in hopes that maybe they'll, you know, share my um, profile and get some organic hits that way. Um, But now that's kind of like come full circle and one of my biggest focuses because that's where my uh my highest like monetization is coming from is from the instagram um video hits um so people are using my music because it's just available available to them on the platform um so now that's kind of where i'm trying to drive my my marketing efforts um because like last week i found that one of my songs, She's a Pirate, there was a an influencer on TikTok that has like 6 million likes or something. And that video got half a million views mm. and I had my music on it. And I don't know what TikTok's like monetization, um, you know, platform is, but <clears throat> either way, half a million people saw a video with my music on it and had the ability to click into my my song and i got a i could tell that i got a lot of hits from my itunes and my spotify streaming specifically for she's a pirate because of that video um so that's kind of where i'm trying to you know focus my efforts and getting people to support me that way yeah and and, and that instrumental based music is very friendly for uh, online content or, or content licensing. And I think that's, you know, another takeaway for, for musicians out there is understanding demographic you want to reach, where that demographic's out, and some of the best distribution models to kind of crack the code. Because just promoting Spotify by itself, as you know, I know, and anyone doing music is a difficult, slow grind, but being <laughs> able to access, you know, obviously people with platforms playing your music is an easy way, and not an easy way because it's not easy, but a a, a way to i'll just say a way i won't say easy just a way <laughs> to reach a much wider audience um and that's no that's, that's that's great to hear and it's also it's it's also funny you know you said you you had this rock influence and are been listening to more hip-hop have you noticed something i've noticed as of late is a lot of hip-hop and r&b is kind of moving to very acoustic and like spanish guitar acoustic guitar and spanish guitar like there's a lot of stripped down beats in both R&B and rap right now that are some of them have no drums and are just guitar and some are pretty much a drum loop and guitar is that something you're noticing as well uh i mean to be honest that hasn't been like something that i've uh picked up on but i'll definitely uh keep an eye out i mean i guess i would consider like a lot of the beats um like lo-fi Mm, you know kind of just like the chill um so maybe that's kind of what you're referring to but um yeah i'll definitely uh keep an eye out that 
on that as a trend. Um, yeah, there's definitely. there's like I just was listening. I don't know. I'm, I'm here in the Bay right now, so this is the Bay Area is caveat. I'm from Seattle. Radio in Seattle fucking sucks. There's no, it's not good. We don't have a very good local music culture outside of rock. Obviously, iconic for you know Jimi Hendrix, Nirvana, you know that rich history. But I, I'm more in the hip hop realm. No disrespect to Mix a Lot, his old school or Macklemore. Not my cup of tea. We just don't have, when you come to Seattle and turn on the hip hop station, you're going to hear like the bubblegum top 40 bullshit, as opposed to where I'm at now in like Oakland, you put on the radio and it's just like a whole nother realm of like, damn, this is like really good music. Um, but anyways, I just noticed like Mozzie, Jasmine Sullivan, Blast, a couple of these guys. I hear just like a lot of guitar right now. I don't know, something I'm picking up, but I think as music has, has, as hip hop has become more mainstream, obviously like country has taken a lot of elements of hip hop and song structure and beat, and then pop music too has obviously latched onto it. Um, where can people find your 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 music? Um, so it's like I said on all streaming platforms, um, iTunes, Spotify, anything that you're using um, currently. Um, I'm pretty sure. You can find me under uh, Cathartic Output. Um, that's uh, my musical artist name. Um, you can also find links to my streaming services on uh, www.catharticoutput.com. Um, and you can also uh, get linked to my Facebook page and um, cannabis Instagram account as well. As you guys, if you are interested in the music, go check it out. If you're interested in aquaponics or learning about homegrown, check it out. Reach out. There's definitely some resources on there, and I'm assuming you're welcome to people reaching out. Is there anything else you'd like to plug before we get you up out of here? Um, I mean, I guess the Chillinois podcast. Um, that's uh, this uh, platform that I kind of got rolling on with uh, all my Illinois networks. Um, so they are the co-founders of the Reddit page, Illinois Trees, IL Trees. Um, and they're up to like 17,000 followers. Um, so if you're interested in the Illinois cannabis um, and the, you know, the underground culture, that would be a, a great spot to hit. Um, I know you were asking about uh, that earlier and they also were kind enough to have me featured as their theme song to the, oh. the podcast and they've been getting some pretty high profile guests um, one in particular Tommy Chong has been on there twice um, so that's been you know pretty valuable for me as well as just everybody in Illinois it's um, great to have representation like that Awesome. Awesome. That's awesome. I've, I've heard of that podcast. It's been recommended and I've seen it. It's obviously a great name. Chill noise. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty solid name. I did not know you did the, you had the, the song on there. That's another just great output, you know, and, and I continually just cause I'm passionate about passing on game to other musicians. That's a great platform for your music is being able to make a song for some of these podcasts, especially if it's in alignment with a demographic or an industry you're looking to build. Um, Eric, super appreciate your time on here. Um, and joining us today and, and breaking down a little bit of aquaponics, home grow, your music, your start um, in the Illinois market, man. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, been a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. This is the North American Weed Tour podcast. 
we will be back at you guys, I think, with another episode today. But, you know, we're on this a couple times a week. And so we'll be checking in with everyone here real soon, man. Thank you.